Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line today in a rare and special Tuesday appearance by my colleague, Hemel Javeri. Hemel, how are you? I'm good. Uh, how are you? Good. I'm welcome. Missed... Yeah, I'm sorry I missed last Friday. We missed you last Friday, but Charles filled in admirably. We were able to talk about, I don't even know if we talked about meat. Usually when you're gone, it's like, okay, well, it's a meat show. The whole show's about meat this week. <laughs> um, I don't even remember. I don't remember if we did that or not, uh, but I would assume yes. You should just have an episode that's like the best types of meat ranked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I could do that. I mean, it's, you know, the thing is, it's, it depends on what you want. You know, like, there's different, different meats have, like, different use, uses, I guess. So, this is a frequent debate with my friends, actually. We talk a lot about which is the best meat. I, I kind of think beef is the king of meats, but, uh, I'm open to pork and chicken, obviously. So, as a vegetarian, I, I would say that beef seems to be the one that people like the most. Um, beef is extremely good and extremely easy to prepare, and, like, a cheeseburger is my favorite thing. Okay. Um, Too bad it's, you know, responsible for everything that's wrong with our planet right Yeah, now. well, yeah, no, I know that, but I'm, I'm yeah. responsible for a lot of what's wrong with our planet in many ways. But you know what? <laughs> I recycle, so take that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm glad I could be here on a rare Tuesday appearance. Yeah, so um, so we have started using the five question, five big questions graphic, so I guess we should briefly address that and say that we have been doing five big questions on the Tuesday show for a while, but we haven't been calling that. So yeah. I, I said welcome to the For the Win podcast. I should have said welcome to For the Win's five big questions. It's the same show, but we're going to call it that and see if maybe more people listen to it that way. Yeah, people are really into rebranding these days, so we're going to try to rebrand the podcast a little bit. And should should I mention, Should I do, is, it, is it wrong to mention that our graphic features uh, a little Easter egg <laughs> in the form, a little Easter egg. In the form of Clayton Kershaw reversed and throwing right-handed? And I'm going to say that that is a shout-out to my uh, research into the Bronx Bodega Avocado crime, <laughs> uh, which included a... Uh, video of a of a purportedly right hand thrower throwing left handed. So just just consider that like a little bit of a that's a reference. That's a reference. It's not it's not a mistake. It's right. a reference. Um, yeah. Sweet. All right. So so let's get into five big questions. Um, do you want to? We we discussed them before the show. Do you want to stagger who asks the questions, or should I just hit you with the first question? Why don't you hit me with the first question? All right. Let, so, let's do it. This is, so, since this is my first, one of yeah. my rare Tuesday appearances. I can just hit you with, I mean, we, you're on, I want to say Hemel is on board with all these questions. I'm not surprising her. I'm just going to, I'll just yeah. ask the questions. <laughs> um, so the first one, and this is a big one, and this is a, a big topic uh, in the news, as and will continue to be, I think, for the entire NFL season. Uh, but, you know, Colin Kaepernick last year, was it last year that he first knelt for the anthem? Yeah, last season, yes. So last oh, season, yeah, last season. Last season, he started kneeling for the national anthem. It became a whole big thing. Uh, he was he was initially doing it as a protest for for uh, about really about police violence. Um, sort of expanded for a lot of guys to be a protest of about a lot of different things that are wrong uh, in our country. And this weekend, during some preseason games, we had the first instances of white dudes getting in on the fun. So my question for you is, if you are a woke-ass white guy, what is the right play for the national anthem in the NFL? 
So I will, I, the one thing that I will say is that it is definitely the first instance of a white dude. So Megan Rapone actually kneeled as a white woman uh, for the national anthem. So she's not, definitely not. Oh, I'm just like, talking about in the NFL, in the NFL, no, so no, it I, has to be I a dude. Know. I've just like, I've seen this, like, I've seen this as like, oh, it's a white person that knelt for the anthem. And it's like, okay, well, it was Megan Rapone first. Um, but what is the right play? So I think that the right play should, I mean, I, I, I'm not shocking any of our listeners if I, by, by saying this, but I think that... I mean, we, we already happen. know you're the wokest. <laughs> yeah, I, right? I, I feel like I'm pretty woke for a brown girl. Um, I would say that the right play is that this should have happened quite some time ago. I think that it should have happened with higher profile players. I think that once Colin Kaepernick, especially, you know, became incredibly I don't want to persecuted isn't the right word but it, it almost feels that way like for his political stance we should have seen multiple white players kneel uh in support if not just of what Cal- of what Kaepernick is doing but because their conscious moves them to do so I think that right you know I, I completely understand that people's job security is at stake here, but I think that, you know, had it been Aaron Rodgers or something like that, we would have had a completely different conversation about it. So I think that this is uh, this is a long time coming. Okay, and, so so I'm... And, and which is Seth... What is it? Devalve is Seth Devalve. Yeah, right? Seth Devalve is the guy on the on the yeah, Browns. He's a tight end, and he sort of kneeled with a bunch of his black teammates uh, mm-hmm. during the anthem. And he said, "Okay, we we are we're praying for America," which you know, I mean, great. Um, but obviously, the statement is kneeling during the national anthem when you traditionally stand. It's not. Right. It's something different than just a straight up prayer. It is right. a prayer that in the form of a statement or a statement in the form of a prayer. Yes. And, you know, there are some um, the other circumstances behind uh, Deval's kneeling is that his wife is African-American and or his girlfriend. Uh, and he did say in his statement, you know, I'm going to be raising kids that don't look like me. So he had a very personal and vested interest in kneeling to specifically kind of protest what's happening in the country right now. All right, and and like I so here's the thing for me, and like because I am obviously, you know this, like I support I support all sorts of uh, passive resistance, and I think like honestly one of my favorite things about the United States of America, probably the only thing that makes me feel patriotic, is that we have this long history of people being able to stand up or, in this case, kneel down for their rights, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. and that we have freedom of speech and freedom of of expression and assembly and Mm -hmm. all those things. But as a white dude, right, are you – are you – is that like co-opting someone else's – because now now the story – is about these white dudes, right? Now it's about Seth, Seth DeValve, and now it's about Chris Long, who put his arm around his, his teammate, uh, mm-hmm. who was holding up his fist. And mm-hmm. it seems to me that, like, and, and so, like, I get it, and, like, I'm, I'm if I had to ex- explain my side, I'm, I'm on their side, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm on the side of the white dudes who are kneeling. I agree mm-hmm. that there's things that need to be protested, but I wonder if it's, like, if it's white privilege to then become now you're the guy who's famous for kneeling when meanwhile, like a bunch of different black guys have been doing this for a while. So I, I think that if you were maybe, I think that if I understand that point, right. I understand that point. Uh, and, uh, 
you would I think you'd be co-opting it if it was taking attention away from somebody else, but I don't think you're co-opting it. This isn't this isn't like a, a white person throwing up a black power salute, right? That would be co-opting a symbol that was specifically meant for black resistance. So well, and so that's kind of that's what happened with with Chris Long. He put his arm around a guy who had his fist in the air, which is you know the traditional right. black power salute. Which is right. So which also Long, by the just for what it's worth, like aesthetically for me is like a way more striking sign of your you being a badass than taking a knee. In my book, it, it is. It is, but it doesn't mean the same thing. Right, right. right? It, it doesn't mean the same thing. I think those are two very different symbols, um, and they protest racial injustice. But to me, what Colin Kaepernick had been doing before people kind of caught on to it was the most powerful thing that you can do. Even right now, as if you are in the stands, um, there's no way that I would not stand for the national anthem just because the pressure is so immense to do something uh-huh. like that. Um, I do not think that these guys are co-opting the symbol and making it about them. I think that this no, is No, I don't think they are. To, to be, yeah, to be, fair, to be clear, more about I don't people. think they're doing that either. I don't think they're doing yeah. that either. I'm just saying you, it seem, like it, you risk seeming like you're doing that. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, if, if all of a sudden every white player on any NFL team had decided to do this, do you know what I mean? If it was just a, like a whole crew, then there might be some talk of white players co-opting a movement, especially if their reasoning wasn't solid. I think that both Chris Long and Seth DeValve gave meaningful, impactful statements about why they were you know, choosing to support their teammates. Um, and I have a lot of respect for them for straying into the political conversation. We talk about this on the podcast all the time, which is that one of my frustrations with NHL players is that they're so apolitical, it becomes frustrating, especially at a, at a time like this. And for these NFL players, white guys, to wade into political waters at a time like this is huge. Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you on that. I think that... Yeah. Like, st- you're sticking your neck out if you do you anything, are. right? Because the easy move yeah. is to just fa- fall in line, stand for the anthem like everybody else, and just, like, don't talk about it because you're only going to get yourself, like, because there's not a ton of advantage to you in yes. making, in, in st- stepping out. I mean, it, there are a lot of things, if I were in the NFL, that I would be speaking out about. And to me, it's, like, almost uh, unfathomable that Colin Kaepernick kneeling down is the thing that makes people not watch the NFL, right? When like right? The, the NFL yeah. is like killing <laughs> players, it's it's killing people, right? Like, but but it's like, oh, but this guy kneels. I can't watch it. Um, yeah. So so like, there's a lot there. But yeah, I mean, I I think that um, regardless of how it looks or whatever you're whatever you know, like it's it's just getting out there and saying like I care and I want to change the way the status quo right now is mm-hmm. good and I wish mm-hmm. more athletes would do it and mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see if at some point because like we have seen literally none of this in baseball right like there's Sean Doolittle who's been yes. on the podcast and who's been like the one guy who is outspoken he went to UVA so he spoke up on Charlottesville but even he uh, understandably and he spoke about it is, is tentative because he knows he's alienating people in his clubhouse and he knows he's, he's alienating some fans and he knows he's drawing attention to himself when he does stuff like that and in baseball it's like a very sort of stuffy stay in your lane type sport right and, mm-hmm. and again there's no real advantage 
of people for speaking up. But, you know, given this year and given the postseason coming up and given that it hasn't happened in baseball, I'm really interested to see what shakes out because, I mean, there are some some woke bros in MLB clubhouses, right? And it just takes one dude to, to sort of change the conversation and be like, hey, you know what? Like, I am not cool with a president who vaguely, tacitly endorses neo-Nazis, right? <laughs> they, and, and this is what is actually so impressive to me about Seth DeValve and Chris Long and all the other players is that they have absolutely nothing to gain from this, right? This is a purely political statement to born out of uh, you know actual concern and a need to to raise your voice against injustice right and they're this doing it in a league that's still where no yeah. team has signed Colin Kaepernick exactly like so there, there's no upside to this for these guys right this is not you know like wearing pink cleats that support cancer like there this is a two totally mm-hmm. different things um which by the way again, is is like kind of bs because that's ooh, a bad charity yes. that they're benefiting and it's like yeah, a, it it's is. it's a whole corporate thing that they just want to sell you stuff but it's a separate, yeah it's separate a whole issue. thing just meant we to, like, can't possibly be more woke on this <laughs> podcast we're we're probably alienating listeners right now yeah whatever <laughs> um I'm like you, actually. I would be very interested to see if any of this transitions over to NHL players. I don't think so. Um, There was a lot of opportunity last year for players to say something. They definitely chose not to. There will be... um, And a lot of players, you know, hide behind the fact that they're international. Canadians are like, we're Canadians. This doesn't really concern us. Everything's cool for us. We're Canadian. Like, we have have the hot prime minister guy who's out kayaking while your guy is is talking about Nazis. Side note, Justin Trudeau showed up for, like, India Day, Indian Independence Day parade in Canada wearing, like, full Indian garb, and I have never been more jealous. He looked great. Uh, (laughs) We sadly don't have that. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't don't know that Trump is going to do that. No, probably not. Probably uh, not the same effect if he did. Um, but yeah, I, I really do want to know if NHL players in any way are going to be moved by what's happening because it, it's it becomes kind of ridiculous to, to try to pretend that you're still in the sports bubble uh, when things start to things start to filter into the sports arena and you can't just ignore it. It's a very different, I mean, the, the NHL and, and Major League Baseball are probably similar in that they're very different cultures from the NBA yeah. and the NFL, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, simply in terms of like the demographics, like there just aren't a whole lot of American born black guys playing, US born black guys playing hockey or baseball at this point. True. There aren't, there, and there are very few uh, American black guys playing hockey, but there are also, very few uh, Americans don't outnumber Canadians, right? There's a huge international contingent to hockey. Uh, but the, the culture is also, and this might be different from baseball, but the culture is very much against any form of personal expression. Like, forget a, forget about it being in politics. No, yeah, that's just like baseball. Wise. I mean, that's just like baseball. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't like personality. So I can't imagine, um, you know, if any player decided that they did want to become political right now the most political thing that i think a nhl player has done is probably jonathan taves speaking out about climate change like that that might be which is a science thing right that's just science that shouldn't have to be a political thing i it's It's, i don't it's crazy that that makes that that represents a political stance that you're like hey this is what like literally every scientist has to say Uh, so considered 
bold, right? Right. Like he, uh, I think it was on the heels of America pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, and uh, that was considered like a bold statement. All right. And the next one is a uh, uh, next question is a little bit lighter. I mean, but also really interesting. So, mm-hmm. uh, Milwaukee Bucks center Thon Maker made a heck of a thon this week um, <laughs> when he uh, he on a plane so he was on a, he was in first class um, yeah. and and it was because there was a flight cancellation before he had been put in first class but then the guy whose seat he had showed up real late he got bumped to economy to business uh, select or whatever the the middle one and then this guy seven foot one and they came through with it to to take to get the plane to take off someone apparently had to give up their seat and go sit in the last row and mm-hmm. of all the people on the flight who would volunteer the 7 foot 1 guy did that because he had practice in the morning and he wanted the plane to take off so for the greater good he gave up his nice seat for the worst seat on the plane just so the plane could take off would you do that uh, God, I, I like to think that I would do that, but I'm not sure I would. So this is actually, this is actually related to what we were just talking about because there's no upside for this guy, right? The upside is for the greater good. The upside is that everybody else on the plane gets to leave and, and get home and he is going to suffer temporarily because nobody else was willing, was willing to make that sacrifice. Uh, I like to think that I would be the bigger person, but chances are that I would just pretend to ignore the flight attendant and like be asleep or something. I would 100% pretend to ignore the flight attendant. And <laughs> yeah. like, I don't frequently fly anything. I've, I mean, I've once in my life flown anything better than coach. So it's not like it's, it's going to come up for me very often unless I start living the high life soon. Uh, and, and, and then, I don't know, we'll see, but I, and I think there's some chance that I eventually I would get frustrated enough and be like, ah, screw it. All right. I'll just do it. Uh, whatever. Just, right. I want to leave. Right. So just, I'll just do it because no one else is stepping up. But the first like several passes through the cabin, yes. I yeah. would just pretend I didn't see or hear or even like acknowledge the existence of that flight attendant. I complete. I, I would pretend to be asleep, and I mean, even if I wasn't listening to something, I would have my headphones in my ear and pretend like this was not my problem. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. you. You gotta hope, and, and like you know, in many ways, there are many things where I will sort of like every day, right? Like on the getting on the subway, I always get out of the way so people can get off the subway, and I always wait mm-hmm. until everybody gets off because there's a big issue with like people getting off the, the train and then people are trying to storm onto the train, and that just right. makes everyone have to wait longer, right? And so right. I hate that more than anything. Like just wait, just step aside, let everyone off, and then get on. If you have to jockey for a seat, whatever, but like just just let them off the train, right? And that is something where I have no no issue with. But if, if if I'm in a nice plane seat, and for me that would be such a rare treat that I I, I don't know I'm not I don't know if I can I don't know if I'm willing to part with that you know like are they still gonna bring me the good food and champagne and stuff <laughs> in the back because I'm gonna kind of need that if you want me to, and like and if I'm doing it I want everyone on the plane to like cheer for me and applaud me yeah, as I walk down I want the applause aisle. as I right. walk down to the back like of the plane. I'm Jesus yeah. I want to be treated like I'm like <laughs> Jesus for for sacrificing my nice seat for the worst seat well a lot of that has to do with the fact that air travel is also so unpleasant across the board anyway that it becomes to to add just that extra layer of insult to it is really frustrating so this guy apparently 
his his first flight was delayed and then like you said he got rebooked into first class and then he had to get bumped down from that so he'd been through like so many different levels of air travel hassle and he still was like F it, I will go to the back because I just need to get home. Someone's got to step up. Someone's got to step up. And if I am an NBA GM, I'm like, I want this guy. Like, that's a team player right there. That's a team (laughs) player. player. Because he stepped up for the, on behalf of the entire plane, he made himself and his seven foot one legs, which is impossibly tall. Have you ever seen a seven foot one person that's like outrageously tall? I've seen like six foot five, and that feels very tall. Right? Like, like a plane seat is uncomfortable at five foot ten. And the idea of having an extra foot and three inches on me and trying to sit in a, in a coach seat is nuts. Good for that guy. That's my thing. I, I think he's a hero. Good for him. Yeah. Um, all right. I can't say I would do it, but I really support someone doing yeah. it, and hopefully people will keep doing it. And <laughs> if I ever do it, I want to be and, – and this is good, right? This is – Thon Maker is getting the best possible outcome, which is that someone was like, hey, this – and he didn't – he wasn't the one who said he did it. It was just some rando who was on the flight who was like, hey, this Milwaukee Bucks guy just gave up a seat. Good for him. The guy didn't say why he didn't himself give up the seat. Um, he no, he was already in the back of the plane. Oh, okay, okay. He, yeah, he couldn't. He's he. So Thon sat next to the dude, and the dude was like, "What are you doing back here?" And uh, Thon then told him the story of what happened. Okay, so, I should have read yeah. more of that story, but I'm <laughs> all about it. Um, all right, uh, next one, quick one. Uh, do Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez prove? That there is true love in this world. Um, it is that is overstating what I think of their relationship. Do what they do you prove that there is true love? No, I, I don't. I God, do you want to hear this? I'm not sure true love exists. I, I, I don't know if that celebrity relationship is the one that proves that true love exists. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know what true love really technically means, right? Because like when you're in love with someone. It feels like a 100% thing, but, like, yes. I don't know what tr- – like, but you get in fights still, right? Like, you have times right. when it doesn't work out. Like, I don't think I – I think that probably true love is an unrealistic – like, at least whatever – however we define it. For many people probably define it as something completely unrealistic. But I would say – I just kind of like A-Rod and J-Lo as a celebrity couple and was trying to find a funny way to frame that question because I hate celebrity well, couples. I hate cele- – like, I'm not into it at all. I, I hate – I love them. I love them. Yeah. Why? I love celebrity couples. Because, Why? Because I, I like the fantasy uh, because uh, I love the fantasy. So I will say that uh, – who's, who's the Chris – Chris um, – who broke up with Anna Ferris? Chris Pratt. Uh, Chris, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yes, Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris. Are you aware of that celebrity? Couple? I knew that they they were married, right? They were married. Yes, they. So I have I invest a lot in celebrity couples that I like, right? And Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris were one of them because they were a great couple together. They're they have everything going for them. They're both attractive and funny, and they have money, all kinds of good stuff. And then they got divorced. So to me, every time a celebrity couple breaks up, it, it's twofold, right? One is. You know, how, how are any of us supposed to make it work if these two rich, famous, handsome people 
can't make it work. Uh, and the other is just that uh, it's fun to watch celebrities be couples. They they look great and they're happy and they're smiling. And when all of that let when that fantasy crumbles, it's it's a little devastating. See, it, it um, usually just bums me out that I have to know, right? Like I don't know Chris what? Pratt. Like I I just feel like so. Look, I don't know Chris Pratt, but like, and I don't know Anna Faris, but they seem like decent people. Like I, you know, yeah. and, and so like if I were to like if I if my wife were to leave me, and she's not gonna leave me, but like if if that were to happen. <laughs> I would be crushed. Like, I would be ruined. I wouldn't want people reading yeah. about that in People magazine, right? Like, that's just, like, it's gross to me. Because, like, and that, that like, people put out press releases when they break up with someone. Like, that's weird. That's a sad, like, you've, I'm sure you've had times I mean, where you've broken up with people. That's a messed yeah. up thing. It's like, hard. It's hard, right? So, like, why now it's got to be every and like I get it you signed up for this when you became a celebrity and it comes with uh, starring in Jurassic World if you're Chris Pratt but it's still sad on like like that's one of those things that like money well, yeah. can't buy better than having a relationship and then getting dumped that's gonna hurt no matter who you are right right and it's gonna hurt no matter who you are how much money you have I agree with you I agree that it is very very sad and but that is just how celebrity and fame works right like. If you let people into your life through social media or through celebrity interviews, uh, there is a level that you have to, it's not justifying, but it is news, right? If you, so if you broke up with your wife, you would still have to tell your friends and family, right? Their circle just happens to be a lot bigger that they have to explain to people. Actually, we're, we're not married anymore. I think I would probably take a long time to tell my my friends. Like they would be like, "Why is why do we never see your wife around anymore?" And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, she left." Oh god, that's devastating. Yeah, I think I, it makes me so sad. It would be sad. I would be I would be really sad. Um, and uh, I think that I would I would probably because of like I don't like having like real life conversations, especially with my friends. So I would probably like I would probably like tell the guy at the bagel store and like not my closest friend for a while we we talked about this before you you mentioned that you had had like drinks or coffee with a co-worker or like an ex-co-worker and you were like oh i didn't know that that guy had a girlfriend and i was completely like flummoxed i was like how did you not know that i i can't remember who it was even at this point but that you know this person we used to work with has a girlfriend you're like we just didn't talk about it yeah, yeah it's I so just, bizarre to me i I like most of my conversations are like kind of like this podcast where we talk about like silly things and A Rod and J Lo and stuff like that, but not about real. I don't I don't like talking about real life. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's because you're a dude. Maybe it's because you're a dude. I guess um, I don't know because I feel like some of my friends. And like that, like always makes me a little bit jealous. It's like, well, those guys like have really connected on some deep level, and like I don't have that. I, like I just don't have that with people anymore. So like I have my wife, and like my wife and right, I are right, connected on a deep. Like that's my friend. She's like my real close friend that I talk to about my feelings and stuff, and everybody else that we just talk about TV. <laughs> well, that's good. At least you got one. Uh, back to Arod and Jayla, though. I think that they're they're just almost too perfect for each other, right? Um, they're both uh, Latino or Hispanic. I'm not sure what the appropriate. Uh, uh, she's Puerto. She's Puerto Rican she's and Puerto he's Rican. Dominican, but they're both he's born Dominican. in New York. They're both born in New York, right? But they they both have you know kind of the same roots. Um, and but they're both the appropriate level of famous as well, right? And they're age appropriate for each other. You oftentimes find famous people are athletes dating like way under under their age. So they seem like a very mature together couple. Okay, um, but they're both really, ex- really they're both they're both still extremely hot people, right? Yes, like they're both what, Yeah, yeah, they're both that's what I mean. They're just appropriate levels of hotness for each other. Like they're both incredibly hot. 
they're both in both great shape. Yeah. They're both in great shape. They're both very motivated and professionally successful. So they just like they look great together on paper. So I really hope that they work out in real life. But. Well, so that's another thing, right? Is like because wouldn't you be susp- like if you were J Lo or A Rod and you were dating anyone other than that uh, that person? Right. Like if yeah. you're J Lo and some dude like some like so you can play it a couple day- ways, right? Like you can just be like, all right, I'm taking on a 25 year old stud boy toy and he's gonna be my boyfriend, but that you're not gonna connect with that person on no. all of the different levels, and you're gonna kind of have this power dynamic where like you're in charge, you're J Lo, right? And like right. the same thing for A Rod. Like I'm sure there are tons of like extremely young and extremely extremely attractive women who would love to date A-Rod, yes. but yeah. there is going to be, he's going to know that part of what's in it for them is like fame and fortune, right? There's just yeah. no denying that. Whereas yeah. J-Lo and A-Rod, they, they stand to gain nothing financially or even really, inter- I mean, I guess they do gain in terms of like their social clout or whatever by dating with each by dating each other, but mm-hmm. they're both rich people. They're both famous people, right? So like, right. that kind of works out for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that it must be very hard to find somebody to date when you are incredibly rich and famous because there's all that other baggage that comes with it. Uh, and with this, you know, at least some of that's taken away. It's, like, I think she was previously dating, like, a, a backup dancer. She was. She was dating, like, a backup dancer, yeah. That feels to me like a classic, like, boy toy scenario because Madonna did right. that a bunch of times too, right? That it just seems like, like, proximity was was involved there. They were like on tour together. And well, and it's like you're that. an extremely hot dude that I yeah. control with my mind and my money. So like, come <laughs> with me. Um, and that guy's like, oh my god, it's J Lo. Let's yeah. Yeah, that is that's exactly how I would react as well. Yeah, I would love to be the boy toy of some rich. <laughs> hot lady um I'm sure not, wife would approve she, she, now that's off the table um <laughs> i'm married it's not gonna happen but i'm just saying like many different points in my life i would have happily signed up for that uh <laughs> support for the for the win podcast comes from our friends at rocket mortgage by quicken loans they understand that home plays a big role in your life and family that's why they created rocket mortgage rocket mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan it's simple allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently to get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash FTW, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hamill, what is happening there that couldn't wait for me to, to do the head read? <laughs> wait, what are you talking about? It was just, it just sounded like you, like, was there like a gust of wind or something? <laughs> yeah, there was just wind. I'm sorry, I'm outside. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you could hear it. It was like... Hurricane yeah, you didn't hear me up. stumble and start laughing when I heard like it was. Yeah, it sounded like you were you were Dorothy and your house was being blown away. Um, I was worried. I'm still I was, here. I was worried for here. a second. I was like, um, I hope Hamill's okay and can hold out until the end of this read. Uh, but you made it, so let's move on. Um, Charles, our colleague Charles Curtis, and recent podcast guest uh, mentioned. I think he, I can't remember if it was Charles or Luke that filled. Oh, it was Charles that filled in Friday. Luke was here Tuesday. Um, but Charles 
posted, we know Charles likes fantasy football. Um, mm. You have, uh, you, he, as he mentioned, you said he's obsessed with his fantasy football team, and he pointed out on the show last week that it is teams. Um, and so <laughs> Charles posted a funny list Charles. of what happens. So, so a bunch of different fantasy football leagues with punishments for mm-hmm. finishing in last place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, so even without, so I play fantasy baseball and not football, but same deal. Um, I like the idea. Like, I think that your league needs to have something to motivate people to keep playing because it's annoying if like a guy sees that he is done halfway through the season, he's not going to win and then just checks out, um, or a girl, if anyone, if anyone does this, uh, that is annoying because then like maybe your competitor is playing that team and they're going to get an easy win because he's starting four guys that are hurt, um, because he stopped, he checked out. So I do like that they have, uh, some punishments listed here. Um, but Ah, okay. Finish your thoughts. Sorry. Um, But I'm trying to determine what is the best punishment for losing in fantasy. So I have – I've only just seen briefly that people do this. And my – I understand your reasoning. But my initial response was that it was just cruel, that it's just like hazing. And – Does feel a little like hazing. Yeah, and I know girls play fantasy football as well. But my initial reaction is like, why are boys so dumb? This is stupid. Um well, so I would say, so in my old fantasy football league, the the rule that made it work, and no, there was no shaming of the last place person. It was just that every week, so we it was for money, and there yeah. was money if you had the best score every week. So even if you had the last place team, there was some chance you could still make some of your money back just by having a good week. So mm-hmm. there was motivation to keep playing. Okay. Uh, there's, what do you think is the worst? Because I've only seen, generally I see, you know, people have to like stand out on the side of the road with signs that say, I suck at fantasy football, or you have to get stuff thrown at you. I think all of them are, are pretty lame. Well, they made one guy take the ACTs and that's kind of funny. Um, I don't know why that's so like, I'm weird like that. Like I, I enjoy taking. That is actually pretty funny. I enjoy taking standardized tests. That wouldn't be the worst. Like I would be kind of curious to see how I do on the ACTs. That is weird. So, yeah. but the problem. I don't know how long the ACTs are. I, I never took them. I took the SATs, and I know that the SATs, at least somewhat recently, are like insanely long. Um, and so that might be super annoying. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I kind of I, yeah. I don't know what to what end you have you. You know that that serves taking the ACTs or like why that seems like a random punishment, but I, that would be the random, one I would sign up for. It is very funny. It is hilarious. Um, and then like they had people, they had someone do uh, run a 5K in a yeah. rowdy raccoon costume. That's a kind of funny one. Like you do it, you know, like okay, like you lose, you have to give like whatever your sign up money to charity and run run five run 2.2 right. miles. Uh, 5K is 3.2 miles. Really? Um, then never mind. I don't yeah. want to do that then. <laughs> the other one, what was the other one? Was like you had to wear a toilet seat on your head, the seat, the seat of shame. I think it's it's called. Uh, yeah, I think these are all all pretty pretty bad. Um, I don't know what is the worst that I have heard of. Have you ever had to be punished for coming in last? 
Uh, no. I mean, no, because I win. Uh, but <laughs> no, no, because I've never been in a league that was actually taken this seriously. Is really what it, what it works out to be. Like in baseball, I always play um, in keeper leagues, and so those leagues, like they have, they come with their own embedded punishments for finishing last. And sometimes it's a good strategy to to tank and trade away all your guys, and then you finish last, and then you try to be better for next year. Um, I, I've never been in a league that bro-y enough, really. I've never been in a yeah. bro-y enough league where people have are like, you, oh, bro, we're going to punish you. Have you been in a co-ed league? Uh, my, my current, my baseball league right now is uh, there is a, a woman owner, uh, just one. Um, it is, in, she, and she's super good. I mean, I, I don't know why I even need to mention that, but like, it's a, it's an incredibly hardcore league uh, and there is one, one woman involved. How much time do you think you spend on fantasy baseball? Um, it depends, like, it, de- it depends on the week, uh, and the day. I'd say I look at it every day, probably for, like, 15 to 20 minutes a day, um, mm-hmm. but there are some things, so, like, in our, our league, we have a farm system, and so, like, I always kind of check in on my farm guys, you know, and stuff like that, but it's also, it's impossible to distinguish for me where, like, work ends and fantasy baseball begins, because if I'm watching a baseball game, which is, like, purportedly for work, and it's like, the Brewers bring in this reliever, and it's like, whoa, this guy's throwing hard, he looks lights out, and then I go to click over to fantasy and look that guy up and see if he's owned. Yeah, but that dovetails nicely. More importantly, how much time do you think Charles spends on fantasy football? I don't want to blow up Charles's spot. <laughs> Charles works really hard. Um, I don't know how much time he spends, but I'd say probably a lot. I well, so in an old baseball league, I had um, a guy told me the guy who kept winning this league. It re- my league has been set up really well to not necessarily reward vigilance. Um, like you have to, there has to be, mm-hmm. players can only be taken on Tuesdays and Fridays and you have to put in a claim in it ahead of time. So as long as you're checking in a couple times a week, you're okay. My old league, it was like whenever a player got called up, anyone could claim him. So right. the first person to claim him was always the most vigilant. And this dude who won every year told me he was spending 25 hours a week on fantasy baseball. And that's what Jesus. made me, that's what made me stop playing in that league. Cause I was like, I, I'm just never going to do that. So, uh, I'm just never going to win. So yeah. So I like, I like it when a league is like established in a way that, that it doesn't, it doesn't reward just being there all the time. I, and I know that fantasy football drafts are like, like a big event these days, right? Like it's a huge thing. Uh, people have big theme parties it's a whole production uh yeah um yeah. i mean everything is a whole big thing these days right like we That's every true. every single thing needs to come with some sort of instagrammable uh you know celebration or moment i don't know i'm cynical about the whole thing i'm, <laughs> I'm weird on like i'm weird on like gender reveals and all those different things that it's like these like that that wasn't a thing until yeah, we had social media, like, right? And like now, yeah. you, now that's like just part of the process. Well, people just now have a lot more free time, right? They just have a lot more free. Is time. Is that true? Now. It's all a big, big, big thing. I, I think everybody so, works yeah. harder because no, no one can afford homes and stuff. No, I don't think so. I think people have a lot more like recreational time than they used to. And I want a lot, I want a lot more recreational time. Well, you you got a different. You've got some different competing priorities. That's true. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, all right, last question. Second to la- oh yeah yeah last question. Um, oh, uh, speaking of Instagrammable moments. Uh, 
Yes. So we're speaking on Tuesday. On Monday, for the first time since, I think, 1994, parts of the United States saw a total solar eclipse. We both live in parts of the United States that saw a partial solar eclipse. It was the thing to talk about Monday. Uh, it was everywhere. You weren't on social media if you weren't talking eclipse. Are eclipses overrated or underrated? All right. So before we before we get into it, I will say that I believe all those people who say that a partial eclipse. I I loved the eclipse. I thought it was a fun community event, and it was cool to see it. Uh, and I was in D.C., so we only saw about eighty-one percent of the eclipse. Uh, it, that part was kind of overrated. It was did you cool. have glasses? Did you have glasses? I did. Oh. I did. Well, my favorite. See, this is. I'm generally not a touchy-feely, warm, fuzzy person, but my favorite part of the eclipse was that it was such a community event. We were all gathered outside the building, and people who I work, like, you know, down the hall from, that I have not spoken to in the entire four years that I've been here, were suddenly chatting and being like, oh, yes, you can borrow my glasses. Isn't this cool? That part I thought was great. The actual clips I thought was overrated. 81% doesn't even compare. But we had friends that went to see the 100% eclipse, like in South Carolina on the eastern seaboard, and they say that it's two totally different things, that the total eclipse is 100% like worth it and you had to do it. Partial eclipses are overrated. I, that was my take on it. I think that sounds right. I have never experienced a full uh, total solar eclipse. Two of my friends, I haven't spoken to them yet, but they went to Portland to go watch it. Um, and apparently, I didn't know this either, but apparently I had been planning this for like several years. Um, <laughs> so like, good, good on them, I guess. Uh, but... I would love to see, like, I thought the coolest part, I didn't have glasses. I mean, I just don't, I don't prep well for things like that. So uh, I yeah. I made the little either. cereal box viewer. That was, like, kind of bupkis. Like, I, I, I didn't really get a sense that I was seeing the sun through the cereal box. I looked. I'm just going to admit it. I know we're all making fun of Donald Trump for looking. I looked, right? Like, I wanted to see what it looked like. I wanted to see what it looked like. I'm sorry. If I fry my retinas. the glasses. You just see like a big burning ball. Well, no, I put on I put on sunglasses. I put on oh, sunglasses, okay. and so it's still. And then what happened? And it was actually worked out really well. Right around the time of the peak eclipse here, um, which wasn't even eighty-one percent. I don't know what it was. Um, the sun sort of ducked behind some like very light clouds, so you could actually see perfectly the shape of the sun blocked by the moon. It looked. The sun itself looked like a quarter moon, uh, really. And so that was cool. Like, I was able to see it. It looks cool. It's like, whoa, look at that. The sun, it's all wacky today. That's it. That's what happened. I thought it was maybe, at most, adequately rated. Yeah, it is. So the opinion that I trust the most is one of my best friends from college. And she is notoriously like me. She is hard to impress. She does not take BS from anybody. And her endorsements don't come very easily. But she was all about this total eclipse. She was just like, you have to do it. It is a thing that is incredible. So I trust her opinion quite a bit because, you know, she doesn't overhype things uh, uh, very easily. So I think that the, it would have been worth it to see the total eclipse. Yeah, I'll be interested in hearing my friends say, I have a feeling one guy will be like that, where he's like, it's 100% wor- worth it. And the other guy will be like, meh. Because that's just kind of how they are, but uh, and I feel like you can. I don't know. I would like to see. I would like to see it get dark during the day. That that seems cool. Yeah. The, so, what is the famous uh, essay, the Annie Dillard essay that people have been passing around just from a while ago? But she said that her famous quote is that 
watching a partial eclipse is like kissing a man and watching a total eclipse is like marrying him. Like that's, that's what the difference is. All right. Uh, I don't even know which one's better. Um, but <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I would, I don't want to, I don't want to say that eclipses are overrated if I haven't seen the full one. So I'm, I'm not qual. I will just say I'm not qualified to speak on this. The partial eclipse, I will say, I will even go so far as to say, without glasses, certainly overrated. <laughs> yeah. Where did you get glasses? They were impossible to find. Be- because everybody here is so nice. This is what I mean about community. Everybody here, you know, there was, uh, I would say out of all of the people out in the building, maybe one third had glasses and they were just kind of passing them around to everybody else because you're not going to stare at the sun through the glasses for the entire, like, hour and a half that the eclipse yeah but you got those glasses it's like the airplane seated thing again it's like these are my glasses i'm not giving them up no but see people were very nice and and passing them around and being like oh have you seen it here are some glasses that you can use uh and it was genuinely one of the nicest most like community building things that i have experienced in a really long time so i I, that is the huge upside of this eclipse was like (laughs) was people just exercising generosity so that nobody would be left out. Yeah, and that's what seemed yeah. cool about the eclipse in New York City based on what people were saying. Like, everybody in Midtown yeah. was like, look at all the people outside in Midtown looking at the eclipse. I watched it in my backyard alone. Um, <laughs> and so, and like when I said like they were impossible to find glasses, I literally looked, I went the morning of the eclipse, I went to the Seven Eleven around the corner from my apartment. I looked around for glasses. I didn't even ask if they had them. I didn't see any, and I was like, meh. They're too hard to find. And then I went I, back in my backyard and stared at the sun with my naked eyes. <laughs> that, is a, that is a very Ted story and very much uh, a, a monument to your lack of, you know, ability to prep for things. But not I, a planner. I, I'm I not a planner. I, I was very much prepared to just write us out. We'd been at the beach. I didn't really want to look for glasses or stand in line for them. Um, and then I got lucky and a bunch of people here took, took pity on me. So All right. it worked out. Uh, you can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, rate us, review us, do all those things. Check out Hemel on the internet. She's on Twitter at, at HemJaveri. I'm on Twitter at OGTedberg. We're both writing at ForTheWinFTW.USAToday.com. Hemel, uh, does having you on Tuesday preclude you from coming back on Friday? Oh, gosh. I don't know. It, it depends on my mood. The last time I did two in one week, I was so cranky for the Friday show. That is extremely <laughs> true. So we will we will leave we'll that. It'll be a cliffhanger. You'll have to tune in Friday to find out if Hemel comes back. But for now, Hemel, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Ted. Peace out.